Hey, and as you um, as you pull up a seat, if there's empty seats to the middle, slide to the middle so we can seat some latecomers. <clears throat> All right. Thank you. Pull up a seat. And if you have empty seats, feel free to kind of fill into the middle if it helps us. we got plenty of seats down front here and in the back over here. Good. Wow. Boy, that was loud. Okay. I mean, usually I say, hey, can I meet the people around you? And you just kind of whisper. But when I get you talking about your apps, I can tell. I can tell where most of you are finding your joy in life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apps are kind of kind of cool. You know, I, I'm amazed, though, at the apps that are out there. Okay, so who thinks they heard about the coolest app? Either you have it or the person you talk to have it. Hey, who, what'd you learn? I heard about Trip It? Trip It for doing trips. Okay. Okay, cool. What else? Anyone else? Any, anyone here, the most bizarre app you heard about? Over here. Okay, right here. It's a history app. So it like makes you smart, I guess, right? So you know all of history with your app. Okay, good. What, what else? Over here. Duolingo. Okay. So that's, is that a cool app? Okay, so like what? Teaches you another language? Okay, so if I want to speak in Spanish this morning, I can just turn it on and it would do it for me? Si. Si. Okay, ala. Hola. Hola, ala. Burrito. That's about all the Spanish I know. Burrito, taco. Yeah. That's about it. Well, I heard some more apps this week. And um, I, I actually Googled this morning as I was finishing up the sermon intro. I thought, well, you know, what are the hottest new apps? So here are some of the hottest new apps. Uh, this will surprise you. The NFL has an app. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. And it's very hot today. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Chargers have an app. There's NFL apps for your real team. There's also, if you have a real team that really stinks, you can do a fantasy team. Uh, there's NFL apps for that. There's one called Peak Brain Training. So this is things that is guaranteed to make your brain bigger, smarter, stronger. Okay. Uh, someone else had another app for that. Paige uses an app for her brain, right, Paige? Yeah, so Paige uses an, a brain app. Here's one I found. I, I tried this one this morning. It's called Home Joy. It's new. It's a new hot app, Home Joy, and it's for house cleaning. So I, I loaded it, downloaded it, tried it, went upstairs. The bed was still unmade. I, I deleted it. Okay. Somehow I thought it would do that. Okay. There's one called Ask Me Anything. So, I mean, there's all kinds of apps out there. You know, it's amazing how these days you carry your smartphone and it, it replaces so many things that when I was growing up, I had to carry around, or even just 10 years ago, I had to carry around. You know, I used to have a, how many of you used to have a GPS that you put up in the front of your car? And you had a special holder for it, and it was like, he's big, and you plug it in. I mean, I mean, who, who does that now? Anybody want to admit it? Okay. Okay, right. We have a recovery group for you. But anyway. No, but you know, but yeah, you can still use that. It is kind of nicer probably, but you know, now your phone does that. So it's my GPS. Here's my quick short list. It's my GPS, my alarm clock, my calculator, my camera, both pics and videos, my flashlight. It has my entire music library, or if I don't even want to have a music library, or for like me, you're too cheap to buy a lot of CDs, then you just get Pandora and, or Spotify and it like creates your library. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it has, uh, I mean, I have my Bible, and I love my Bible. I still carry a hard, hardcore, old-school Bible. Uh, but, and I encourage you to also, but, you know, if I go to my app, 
I got a thing called the Wave Bible, which I highly recommend. The Wave Bible, it's only for Apple devices, but the Wave Bible gives me 10 different translations, including all the Greek, all the Hebrew, and the Greek and Hebrew study tools. So all the things that I paid a lot of money for in four years getting a master's degree in theology, it's in the app. Okay, so if you get tired of reading just one version of the Bible, you want 10. Okay, so all of that I carry with me, and it's over there in my smartphone. I should have brought it up here. I got apps that help me launch Angry Birds. Not that that really changes my life, but okay. I got apps that form a game console. I got apps that track my exercise and count my calories. Now, what I'm looking for still is the app that reduces my calories. Anybody got that? Anybody got that? See, some things just don't fit in a phone. Well, what if you could download an app, a free app, because I don't do the 99-cent versions. I'm too cheap. So what if you could download a free app, a free program that was full of what I call real-time wisdom? And not just apps that kind of make you smart, like Paige's app, I think, was uh, Luminosity, supposed to make you smarter. But this is an app that has real-time wisdom. So 24-7, it would send you a text of exactly what you need to know in life for the moment that you need it. So you're just kind of living life and you're, and, and you're interacting with people and you're going through life and, and you know, you walk in and, and, and let's say I come home from work and, and let's say my wife has gotten her hair done and it's a new hairdo, okay? And, and, and it's different and I walk in and I notice it's different and I know she paid good money for this and, and she says, how do you like it? And right before I speak, the app says, stop. So instantly my phone goes bling, you know, and, and there's a message that, you know, that says, husbands love your wife like Christ loved the church, even when he didn't like her new hairdo, you know, you know, what if you had an app that would tell you what to do when you need to do it in real time? Call it the wisdom app, short messages. And what if this app was from God? So God pays attention to you, and right when you need wisdom, boom, it's delivered. Today we're going to talk about that app. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for the wisdom of God. Thank you for its availability. Thank you for how much you love us. Thank you for your word and how it speaks into our life. Uh, so, Father, as we launch into the fall season, um, I just really pray that you would do what I can't do. I, I pray this every week, that you would in some way, because you love these people, you understand them, you know their struggles, you know their joys, um, would you, by your Spirit, speak to them, uh, bring to their minds and hearts the things you want them to learn, and help them like you help me every week to just grow. That's my prayer. And especially today, <clears throat> teach us about truth. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I want you to turn to the closest thing to a text message in the Bible, which is 2 John, okay? 2 John. And if you want to find 2 John, here's my easy tool. Go to the back of your Bible first and then work forward because you're going to see a big book called Revelation. Right in front of Revelation, you're going to find some real short books. 2 John, 3 John, Jude, 2 John. 
And 2 John is one of these books of the Bible, 2nd and 3rd John, that we're going to study this week and next week. We're going to do a two-week study of two books of the Bible, 2nd and 3rd John, and Ryan and I are going to unpack those for you. Because these are short texts from God delivered about the subject of truth. And we're going to see today that God really desires us to live truth. Now, a lot of times I'm told to know truth. There are apps that help me know truth. There are apps that help me know facts. I can, you can go to Wikipedia and you're going to learn a lot of facts and information. But this is an app that actually helps you move from knowing truth to doing truth. And if you're like me, what I find in my life is it's one thing to know truth, and I know a lot more truth than I do. I know a lot more truth than I do. And truth undone truth not put into play in my life actually does me no good so we're going to be looking at that father teach us and help us to understand what you want us to know today amen listen to the word of god let's go to second john and just focus on the first four verses i can't say chapter one because there's only one chapter all right i love this this is like this is the little brother to first john here we go the elder to the chosen lady and her children. I think he's writing to a church. I don't, you know, this could be a, a church that meets in a home of, of a literal person. We really don't know for sure or not. It may very well be a church that was started uh, by, by a woman who came into a relationship with Jesus and began to talk about him in her city. You know, we're not real sure whether it's a purely a metaphorical thing or whether it's an actual lady and her children. I, I think it is an actual church that he's writing to. That's my take. But we know today he's writing to us. He says, the elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all those who know the truth. For the sake of the truth, which abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, peace, mercy will be with us. From God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was glad to find some of your children walking in truth just as we have received the commandment to do so from the father now i ask you lady though as not as though i were writing to you a new commandment but the one which the one which we have had from the beginning that we love one another and this is love that we walk according to his commandments this is the commandment just as you have heard it from the beginning this is not a new idea he's saying that you should walk in it. Verse 6. Now I want you to note that as you look at this, as I studied that this week, I began to say, okay, God, help me understand what the key truth is here. Help me understand the big idea that kind of pulls these verses together. And as I did, here's what came. What it came really was the big idea is live truth. The big idea is live truth. Here we go. And, and, and that's what, if God were to write you a text message, not that this is a literal text message, although it kind of freaks me out when I look at it. It does say it's God's phone. But, you know, if God on his phone was to speak to you, he would say, live truth, Dale. That's what this thing is all about. So thank you, Lord, for that. Now, in 2 John and 3 John, we find the same concept repeated. In fact, I'll show you the exact verse. 2 John 4 Notice the emotion in this. John writes this to this church. He says, I was very glad 
to find some of your children, some of your spiritual children, some of those who had come to faith, walking in truth. And then you jump to 3 John. And 3 John, same verse, verse 4, says this, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. So, you know, he says, look, I'm very glad to discover your children walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than this than to hear of my children, my spiritual offspring, my spiritual children and grandchildren who have come to faith if they are walking in truth. That's God's word for us. If God was your life coach and you said, okay, what do I need more than anything else? Well, based on 2nd and 3rd John, I would say, God would say, just live truth. Don't just know it, live truth. Now, it's easier said than done. Can I just confess that? And, and if you are honest, I think we all, we all get that. You know, because I could say, okay, live truth, great. There's your word for the week. Live truth, let's go home early and watch the East Coast game, right? Okay, so you're dismissed for NFL football. But the reality is there's a reason God placed the Chargers on Monday Night Football this week, amen? Yeah, it's to get off to a good start. You know, so you don't have to skip out on church. So don't do that during the NFL season, all right? That's why God made DVRs, okay? So record the game, be here next week. So just a little NFL tip. I give that at the beginning of every season. See, I think... We could stop right there, and most of us would agree with that. I, don't really, I really don't have to try to convince people that it's smart to live truth. Because what's the alternative? The alternative is, you know, just live deceived. Live according to whatever lies people tell you. Um, just live by those. Now, how many of you would say, I just kind of enjoy living deception? None of us want an app that does that none of us want an app on our phone that says all right let me tell you some lies and throughout the day i'll send you little messages and they will sound true but they're not and uh and it'll make life a lot more interesting okay or, or it's like no one likes being fooled by a by a sign that's not true so we understand that we want to live truth but then the question of the morning because i'm always thinking okay uh then is there any are there any tips any truths about living truth. In other words, what, what do I need first in my life if I have any chance of actually living out and living in the truth? And I looked at the passage, and here's what I found. I found that the concept of truth is mentioned not just this once, but four other times. And let me walk you through them because logically, I think they make sense, as God always does. Love in truth. Know the truth. Let it abide in you, and then let it be with you forever. Here they are. I'll, I'll, let me take it apart one at a time. Number one, love in truth. In other words, the truth that John was saying they need is the truth that he had delivered to them in love. It had been delivered wrapped in love. Delivered in love. John loved them. Often we see the Apostle Paul saying the same thing when he would write to a church, and he'd say, you know how much I love you, and therefore, boom, 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 and he'd lay out truth. See, the truth that you want is truth delivered by someone who loves you. Does that make sense? If someone doesn't love you, they got an ulterior motive. They want to take advantage of you. They want to have power over you. They, they want to control you for some personal gain of, of what they're going to get out of it. Then, then uh, that's not always truth. They might speak some truth, but usually they'll speak truth that has a little bit of falsehood mixed into it. Now, there's a name for this in our culture. You know what the name is? What do you think? Truth with a little bit of lies mixed into it, 
for someone else's personal gain? Sales. <laughs> yeah, it's sales, marketing, advertising, for heaven's sake, okay? Now, I'm not saying that every advertisement does this, but let's be blunt. When I see an ad from a company and they say, trust us, this is the truth. If I know that they're going you know, they're, they're to ask for something out of my wallet, do, do, does your guard go up? Sure it does. Sure it does. Because until I know the person behind that and really trust them, then I'm going to question whether it's really true or not. There's a lot of things that are stated in, in the world that if we naively believe the messages of the world, we're going to get really messed up. Now, can I confess one of my um, Christmas traditions outside of celebrating the birth of Christ? Okay, um, I like the movie Elf. First time I saw it, I thought, this is the dumbest movie ever made. I Seriously, my kids really liked it when they were teenagers, and I just kind of thought, this is stupid. you know. <clears throat> but every year I watch it, and, and I like it more. So I'm just confessing. There's a need a recovery group for me probably, okay? But I love one line because the, the, how naive, um, what's the name of the elf? Buddy. buddy, Buddy the Elf. Some of you are with me. Okay, yeah. How many of you have never seen Elf? Would you raise your hand? For, okay, forgive me. Uh, watch it this Christmas. Okay, but but here, but but Buddy the Elf has—he's very naive. He believes everyone is telling him the truth all the time. So I love the scene where he walks in this coffee shop and he flings the door open, and on the door next to the door there's a sign that says "World's Best Coffee." So he, what's what's he do? Well, he flings the door open and he just yells, "Congratulations! Wow!" And people are like, "What are you talking about?" says world's best coffee wow then he walks out you know and the people are like where do you get that idea see they it's not that the, the sign is true it's just advertising and i think we live in a culture of partial deception we live in a culture and a world in which we are surrounded by untruth it shouldn't surprise us. We know that the world has fallen in sin, and the Bible actually has a nickname for the evil one, or Satan. And one of his most common nicknames in the Bible, what, what is it? The deceiver. Yeah, he's the great deceiver. He's the father of lies. And our culture, because of our own sin and how it affects our thinking and our, and our emotions and our flesh, we, we, we live in a culture in which you don't really know if something is true, false, or some dangerous mixture of truth and error. So the first step is this. He says, look, you know that I loved you in truth. I loved you with the truth. So knowing that the truth is being delivered by someone who loves me makes a difference. Now, how does that change the way I think about the Bible? Here's the deal. The author of this book sent his son to die for you on a cross. I don't know any other company organization in the world that would do that. He died for you. He died for you. And because of that, we have, a, we have a God who loves us deeply and he loves us so much that he doesn't want us living in falsehood, living in darkness. He wants us walking in truth because truth is good. Truth is good for you. It's good for God. It's, it's God's design for your life. So get it, understand that, that it comes out of love. I, I hope that you sense 
Because one of my goals for teaching you weekly, and I've shared with Ryan about this, Ryan and I both hope you know that we don't teach the Scriptures on Sundays to you because we just love to hear our own voice. Maybe we do at times like to hear our own voice. Okay, that's part of my ego that I still need to pray about. But the reality is we do it because we love you. We love people enough to know that it can change your life if you know the truth and live truth. And that's why I've been passionate about this book, the Bible, ever since I discovered and really began to buy into the idea that, wow, this is God's word and it's, and it's good for me and it's good for other people. And it's, it's, it's speaking the truth about life, every part of life. I first began to hit this whenever I was being personally discipled by a man uh, from UCLA, actually, when I grew up in the state of West Virginia, a 54 to nothing yesterday, by the way, and we were on the good side of that for a change. Okay, but anyway, but the reality is, played a girls' school, I know that. But, but, the, <laughs> but the reality is, the reality is, when I was playing football in high school, there is a connection here. This guy's discipling me. He says, Dale, do you realize that what God has to say about life will change the way you play football? I'm thinking, wow, I didn't know that. He began to talk to me about how I related to my coach, how I related to my players, what my work ethic was as I played the game. And it actually did begin to change the way that I actually performed. And I wasn't a great athlete, but it actually made me a better athlete. It changed the way he said, Dale, don't you realize what the Bible teaches will change the way that you treat women and you're going to need all the help you can get in that area (laughs) so you know so you know that's how i got such a good looking gal like becky to marry me you know you know in high school i looked a little better than i do now but i still you know so she but she loved me because the way i treated her i treated her differently because of what i was learning in the bible it changed the way i studied for school it changed the way i related to my parents as a kid whose parents sometimes frustrated me you know, it changes everything. When I realize it changes life. It, it, it affects me as an adult in the way that I should do my job, no matter what my career is, it, the way I run my relationships, especially marriage or family, friendships. It, 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 it speaks into how I, I build a, everything from um, how I raise my children to how I have a, a, a I'll just say a better sex life with my wife, you know, because I learned that it's not about me, it's about her, and it's about me giving, not getting, and all of a sudden, whoa, that's a different idea from most American men. See, the, the Word of God and the truth of God transforms everything, and it's good. And when I really began to believe that as a high school student, it began to reshape my life, and it's never let go of me. It's why I do what I do. Number two. So he says, first, find someone who loves you and receive truth from people that love you. Number one, God loves you. But by the way, this leads me to our life group ministry. The reason we do life groups is so that you can study the truth in a small group of people that you build a friendship with and you begin to learn, you know, I can trust them. They actually care about me. So God loves you. My life group or my friends love me. So now you're learning truth from a God who loves you with other people who love you in a church who loves you being taught by Sunday morning by a pastor who loves you. Now that's healthy. That's healthy. So find a loving environment in which to study and receive truth. Number two, he says, and to those who know the truth. So I need to learn it well. I need to be loved in it, but I need to, I need to learn it. I've got to study this thing. 
The Bible doesn't instantly become part of my thinking if I don't engage with it and study it. Truth must be understood. It's got to engage my mind. It's got to speak into my heart and my life and my choices. And it's got to help me sort out what's right and what's wrong so I understand the messages of the world that I'm living in. Okay? So when I see world's best coffee on the front of a coffee shop, I respond differently than I see world's best coffee on the cover of Consumer Reports. Right? little different source. So how do you know what truth is? I ran across a clip that I thought was worth three minutes of your time. It's by N.T. Wright, a a respected theologian, and he just had some very insightful things to say about truth. So can I bring him to my sermon? I've been fascinated by that notion of truth because in philosophy, is truth simply correspondence? You know, the sun is shining outside. That's, That's a true statement. I'm simply using words to tell you something that is factually true right now. But then the closer you get up to that, the harder it is because different people have different angles of vision on things. And one person's truth about something, you know, going to a modern art gallery and somebody says, that is amazingly beautiful. And somebody else says, I just think it's criminally ugly. Um, and okay, is that taste or is there any truth in that? Where is the line between beauty and truth? How does all that work? And so the closer you get to the notion of truth, the more we find, and this is typical, of course, of postmodernity, truth is stranger than it used to be. And it's in the light of that that I come to John's Gospel when Jesus talks about the truth, talks about us knowing the truth, and in uh, various parts of the New Testament they talk about doing the truth, which is an interesting concept. And I'm struggling after something that goes like this. We think of truth in terms of, I say words which correspond to the way the world is, but then wait a minute, the way the world is isn't the way that God wants it to be. The way the world is, is out of joint, it's broken, it's fractured, it's full of puzzles and ugliness and sorrow and death and stupidity and so on. So if all I do is use my words in order to correspond to that, that's letting the side down somehow, because as a human being, I'm supposed to be bringing God's wise order into the world. That's what humans are there for, to image God into the world. So truth is something which has to take account of the way the world is, but it also has to point forwards to the way the world is going to be. And hence the truth of the gospel for Paul is not just here are some facts about Jesus and his death, but it's something to do with um, Jews and Gentiles are now supposed to be eating together at the same table because this is a sign of God's reconciliation of the whole of humankind. So that's why I say that truth is something that happens when human beings in the power of the Spirit are talking about the shame and folly and failure and sin of the world on the one hand, but also about what, through the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit, God is doing to bring about new creation. So truth does correspond, but the thing that it corresponds to is the new world that God is going to make, but also in dialogue with the world the way it currently is. Truth is something that happens, whether you're an artist, a philosopher, whatever. As a Christian, it's human beings doing and saying things which bring God's wise ordering into the world. Wow, I like that. It's human beings doing and saying things that bring God's wise order into the world. 
In other words, we need to be speaking the truth about our culture. We need to be speaking the truth about the lies of our culture that deceive people, that are dangerous, that are harmful, but also speaking the truth about, but you know something, God has a better plan. God has a better way. God has truth that we need to know and need to share and help each other understand. How do you live truth in the real world? So we're not just creating this kind of false, plastic, Christian world in which there are no problems, there is no suffering, there is no, no disappointments, but we're learning to live out our faith and speak truth into real life time. And that's what I mean by my wisdom app. Remember I began by saying this wisdom app, i.e. the Bible, speaks real truth in real time into a, the real world in which I really live in. And I think that's what N.T. Wright was getting at when he talks about walking in truth. So be aware that we live in this world of deception in which God wants us to bring truth and live truth. So it begins, number one, uh, Paul says, it began when I loved you in truth. That in, the, in a context of love, we're, we're dealing with what is true. We're dealing with the scriptures in a context of the loving environment of the body of Christ, of, of friends and people who love you, from a God who loves you. Secondly, you need to study it. We've got to be students of the Word. We've got to be in the Bible. And as you do that, the third phrase he uses, he says, this truth abides in us. That's what he says. It abides in us. In other words, we've got to let it in. John 15, Jesus put it this way in John 15, 7. He says, if you abide in me, in other words, you draw your life from me, you depend upon me. This is not something we do in our own strength, our own wisdom, but as you are reliant upon Jesus Christ, in other words, you've invited him to, to into your life. He, he lives in you by his spirit. So it's the reliance upon Jesus through everything I'm teaching this morning. Don't lose track of that, okay? But Jesus says, if you abide in me, but then he says, and my words abide in you. Ask what you wish and it shall be done for you. By this, you're going to bear more fruit, he says. You'll be fruitful. So there's, there's, I think, a real emphasis on the word abiding and Christ abiding in us. Jesus abides in us, but even then, Jesus says, if you really want me to abide in you, live in you, walk with you, um, if you want to experience the presence of Christ in real time, Jesus says, you've got to have my word abiding in you. So it's become part of me. So now we're talking about not just knowing truth out here, but knowing it enough that it becomes, it, it becomes part of me. I, it, 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 the, the word abide literally means to dwell in or take up residence in a person. So that means it lives in my mind. So now, even when this is not open, even when my uh, Wave Study Bible or whatever app you use to access your Bible on your, on your device, when, when that's not available, the Word has, is shaping me because I know it. I don't just know it as an understand it, but I've memorized it. I've meditated on it enough that, that, that as I think about, uh-oh, I'm checking out Becky's new hairdo, and what should I do, that automatically in the back of my mind there's some filters going on. And one of them says, uh, Dale, uh, speak only things that edify according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear, which means even if you think it looks bad, don't say that. Okay, you don't lie, but you can choose not to say, you know, honey, that's the worst waste of however many dollars you spent I've ever seen. You know, you don't say that. 
because you love the person. So you say, well, hon, how do you feel about it? Do you like that? Oh, yeah, I love it. Oh, I love you. <laughs> What's for dinner? Yeah. And, you know, and you, you move on. Okay. You know, it's, it's like when you, you know, anyway, there's other illustrations, but you get it already. I can tell. You see, the word of God tells me to to be kind. The word of God tells me to be kind hearted, gentle, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you, Dale. The word of God tells me that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. So those things are built into my mind as a grid through which I seek to evaluate my life and how I treat people. It's the word of God, you know, that says no greater love has anyone than he lays down his life for another. That reminds me that Christ loves me 24-7. So these are things you need, you need to learn. And as you do that, it leads to number four. He says, and this truth, he says in verse three, is with us forever. It's the truth that's with us forever. In other words, it's now a part of you. I don't think he's just saying that the truth of God's word will never go away as in human history. I think that's true also. But I think he's talking about in, in your life. The truth is now with you forever. You can't get away from it because it abides in you. And it begins to shape your identity. So now the truth is beginning to reprogram my mind to think like God. Now I never become God. I still have wrong thoughts and, and make big mistakes. But I'm thinking more like God thinks. Because the mind of Christ is increasingly within me as I, as I am loved in truth, as I know and study the truth, as I let it begin to internalize and abide in me, and now it's inside of me, it's a part of how I think. But then I have a new identity through it. It's a little bit like food. You know, they, people say they saying you are what you eat, right? Okay, you are what you think. Well, you know, the reality is spiritually the word of God is referred to as food in Scripture. And, uh, and when you feed on it and internalize it, it begins to change you. It becomes a part of your new identity. I um, wanted to interject uh, another little fun time in our message today because one of the things that we are committed to here at Seacoast is doing more to help our people really know, okay, Dale, so how do I, how do I read this big book called the Bible? And how do I somehow develop a simple wisdom on how to learn from it? And not just how to learn from it, but where does that wisdom want to speak into my life and help me with everyday practical stuff? Um, I want to introduce to you uh, Noel and Denise, Annette. They can come on up here and join me and grab a couple mics. Um, I asked them to come up for just a minute and talk about a class that they're going to do beginning two weeks from today on the 21st in the cafe behind me. And it's a class on how to read the Bible so God speaks to you. So if you read the Bible in the way you're going to teach us, you hear voices. Is that correct? It, you become like a psychic. You hear, or is, this a, is this what this is about? I've thrown you off your script, but okay. <laughs> Let me back up and say this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this class and about why this is your passion for doing this. Uh, and by the way, Noel, give a little background. Can I give a little background? No, Noel went to a place called Dallas Theological Seminary with me. Uh, he was a couple years uh, behind me in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the class. I think I was class of, uh, 
79. Thank you very much. You have wisdom. Uh, you read my mind. Okay. You're a class of 81? 80, class of 80, just one year behind me. Great. Got a master's degree in theology. Also has a, some other masters and doctorates in areas like computer science and stuff like that. Denise uh, has a mat. You picked up a master's also at Dallas, right? I did a partial master's and then delivered twins. Right, right, and then delivered twins. That'll short change any master's degree. Okay, but then you went on to get your doctorate, I think, in uh, psychology or counseling. Right. Wow. Yeah, so how have you guys brought all this experience and education together and tell us about what you're going to be doing two weeks from today? Well, when I was in uh, graduate school, I studied two different groups of people. There was 30 Christians who had a regular time with, with God each week, and there were 30 Christians who didn't have a regular time with God. And so I tested them, and then I evaluated the uh, results, and what I noticed Great. Wow, what a promise. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate that. So thanks so much. Wow. Uh, and one thing that I, I will say as I get to know uh, Noel and Denise is they are just the real deal. They're just real people who are seeking to follow God in real time, uh, living by his word, seeking to live out what they learn as they continue this lifelong journey of engaging with scripture. And uh, I really would encourage you, if you want help with this part of your life, uh, get signed up for this. Uh, it would probably help us because we have to order books for this. Uh, books are only going to be 10 bucks. It's a deal. They're normally $18. The church is helping keep them very affordable for you. Uh, but here's the deal. Uh, on your response card, if you do plan to attend this in the cafe starting in two weeks, write down um, uh, how to read the Bible. Just write it on the, you know, I'll be there and put like one or two people, depending on if it's just for you or for you and a friend or a spouse. So do that on your response card that you can fill out and drop in the offering later today. Make sure we have enough books. So as we do this, what's the goal? He says, then the greatest joy, and, and I love this, he doesn't say, my greatest joy is that you are knowing the truth. He doesn't say, my greatest joy is that even that the truth is abiding in you. What brings joy to God's heart is he says, my greatest joy is to see my spiritual children walking in truth. That is living it out. The concept of walking is always used in the Bible for lifestyle. It's every day in every common life, you're, you're actually 
living truth. You're living with an awareness of who you are as a Christian because you know the truth. You know that you are secured by the grace of God. You're not trying to earn God's forgiveness, for example. A lot of Christians live every day thinking that their performance increases God's love for them. When you know that God loves you unconditionally on your good days or your bad days, it changes you. But that's a truth, see, that even a lot of Christians don't understand. When you understand how secure you are in His grace, you understand that your eternal home is heaven, not earth. Then that will change the way you think about earth. It will change the the decisions you make. When you understand that Jesus says lay up treasure in heaven where it will never get destroyed instead of laying up all your treasure on the earth where you're going to die and it's going to be left behind, that's a truth about life that should affect the way we use our money. We understand that God has a heart for the world and cares about the world. That's why we as a church are heavily investing in Africa right now, in training pastors in Africa. Why? Because God says that's a smart way to live, is to invest in the kingdom of God here around the world. When God says to, uh, to, to love those around you, when he talks about that, that's why we as a church are talking about love in Encinitas this year. So, you know, so the reality is truth really should change us. But what brings joy to God's heart is not that we know more of it, not that we even memorize more of it. It's when we begin to make choices that flow out of our love for God, our relationship with him. We make these choices because we know it's the right thing to do and it's, the, and it's from a God who loved us in truth and who gave us the truth and who in the world would want to intentionally live according to lies. So our goal this year is going to be to help us all explore more deeply what it means to live in truth. We're going to, in two more weeks, launch a uh, a, a more in-depth study of Second Peter, the book of Second Peter, one of my favorite books about truth, so and about error and counterfeit truth. So we're going to be studying both truth and counterfeits and how to understand the difference this fall as we study the book of Second Peter in two more weeks. So don't forget to uh, to be here. It's interesting that the way this passage started though was to be exposed to truth in love but if you're going to walk in truth uh, I wanted to just end by reminding us not to forget the number one truth because even after he tells us to walk in truth he comes back in verse five and he picks up and he says this now I ask you lady not as though I'm writing to you any new commandment but one that you have had from the beginning that you love one another and this is love that we walk according to to his commandments. See, what he says is the number one truth is actually to live truth, and the number one truth that you live is to love well, to excel at love. And it's interesting, Jesus said, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest truth? And that is that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. So learning to live truth, love well. I hope you learn that phrase this week. We're going to talk about the second half of it more next week. So how can you get off to a good start to the fall? I want to just bring you back to what we always say here at Seacoast. Encounter, connect, and go. Our vision for your life, our vision as a follower of Jesus Christ, who's bringing life to people and glory to God. That's our mission. But our vision for each of us is that we encounter God in worship. Let me give you a fresh fall challenge to make worship 
together and worship privately in the Word a priority this fall. Make it a priority to keep working. And by the way, more of you were on time today at 9 o'clock than I've seen in a long time. So, hooray! But don't miss a moment of worship. That's my challenge. Be here early in the seat, ready to go. Make encountering God in worship a priority. Number two, connect. That big banner out there is there for a reason. Go to Rooted, go to Life Groups, go to other groups. Whatever your need is, follow the guide that we've given you on the insert. Get connected in the next two weeks to a group somewhere. You will never, I'll say this boldly, you will never grow to the potential God wants you to attain if you are not connected somewhere in your life where you are with others who can love you in truth. And then thirdly, let's make this a fall in which all of us are looking for chances to love our neighbors. Invite them into the life of Seacoast. Invite them into the life of Christ and go as well. Pray with me. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for the truth that you've given us. Thank you for the fact that you love us in truth. Thank you for your love that was given and proven on the cross. Father, as we um, wrap this time, we want to wrap it by responding and offering you some worship. You deserve it. Thank you for being the God of truth. Thank you that the Lord Jesus said, the world is full of lies, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. So thank you for the life that you offer. And if we have anyone here today that needs that, I'd invite them to say, Lord, I need you. I need the truth of what Christ did for me on the cross, and I receive him as my Savior. Help me to know and learn how to walk in truth, how to rely upon Jesus Christ and experience the life you've designed me to have. We love you. Father, we're going to even respond in our weekly discipline of giving to you. We give, Father, help us to give generously, laying up treasure in heaven, give joyfully to make a difference in our world. We offer you our best now. In Christ's name, amen.